will stay the rest of you staying here i'll entertain you while they have church hallelujah Debbie, do you have anything you want to share this morning? All right. Come back and see you soon, Laura Beth. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's so neat she gets to go to children's church. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, the clock says 9 o'clock. Seems like I can get it all in. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I, I want us to pray for Lawrence Nodine this morning. We just took the covenant of grace renewed this morning. I talked to Kathleen today and uh, yesterday, and she said that uh, that uh, the time I talked to her before that, she said, "Oh, we've already passed the big part. He's already had all the the uh, the work done, the the uh, stem cell, the grafting, whatever he did. All that's over. Came out fine, and we're just." We're just biding time now. Well, when I talked to her yesterday, she said, well, I, bad connection, UAB. But, you know, it's like, okay, we're not getting, we hadn't got to go home yet, and we're this, that, and the other. And let me tell you, she said, we need to go home. And I, boy, I understand that. So right now, in the name of Jesus, we bind ourselves together in agreement that Lawrence Nodine, you are redeemed from the powers of darkness and the powers of this world. And we tell your flesh to receive the engrafted word into your soul now and be renewed in the spirit of your mind concerning who you are in him and what he has done for you. And we send his word to heal you and deliver you from destruction. Lawrence Nodine, we say be healed and be made whole now in Jesus' name. We send the anointing into that room at UAB or wherever you are, and we release the life, the resurrection life of the Lord Jesus into your body, and we tell you to rise up, be resurrected, be quickened, be made whole now. We release you from every malady, every illness, every sickness, every condition, every problem, every prognosis and diagnosis that's been set upon you. And we call you healed and whole and healthy in Jesus' name. We say rise up and walk and go home. Go home for you are the healed. And we ask you to strengthen Miss Kathleen this morning. Lord, strengthen her by your might in her inner man. Strengthen her, Lord, and release her to be free from this, this drudgery and this, this, this drag on her, Lord. We loose her now and call her free in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Thank you for agreeing. I'm telling you, when we were in this same scenario, 
it's a cliche, well, we're praying for you. But I knew, we knew you were praying for us. And it changed things. And uh, Pastor Avery called and said, we are praying. Our church is praying for you. That was cool. And then Pastor Moss called and said, our church and I am praying for you. And I mean, we had a we had a turnaround. We had a rise. I knew y'all were praying. So uh, we, I mean, we we beat everything. We whipped it back. Uh, the word says in Psalms that I will beat down your enemies before you. And we felt like that's what the Lord was doing when that happened. Just all of a sudden, the doctor came in and said, "This is what he said." He said. Uh, a hospital is a terrible place to be in. He said it's dangerous to be in this hospital, in a hospital, which he was just telling the truth. Uh, had a man that, that cuts my grass, and uh, I was talking to him, and he said, he said, I went in for a minor thing and got a staph infection, and they had to put ports in my body over the course of two years. And he said, finally, after two years, I got free of that staph infection. And so I, I'm not trying to paint a bad thing. I'm just saying we have to, we got to put on the Lord Jesus. And prayer changes things. Now, not just, you know, Lord help somebody and whatever. I'm talking about when you get in there and you move stuff and change the location of things. Praise God. Well, I got a good message for you this morning. The Lord's faithful to us and he wants to encourage us this morning. So if you would, turn in your Bible with me to the book of Romans, chapter 8. Uh, the title of my message, you may have heard this, Everything is Turning Out Amazing. <laughs> and let me just tell you, I'm going to admit to it right here on tape. I am endeavoring to reprogram you. I am attempting to brainwash you this morning so that you have an expectation of being, uh, having a future that is marvelous. That every day you get up saying, this is a good day. And every night when you lay your pumpkin head on the pillow, you said, this was a good day. And so shall it always be. I want to remind you that our God did not give us a spirit of fear. He gave us a spirit of power. That's who we are. He gave us a spirit of love. That's who we are. And he gave us a spirit of of a sound and well-disciplined mind. We are fearless. Point to yourself and say, I am fearless. Point to somebody else and tell them, you are fearless. We are the fearless ones. You may not feel fearless. You may can point to something you say, that's scary. But I'm telling you on the inside, if you get the truth, you peel back the, the cover. You are the fearless one. You are fearless. Nothing bothers you. Demons are afraid of you. If they ever, if they ever get you when you are in your inside man's self, they are smoke. They are smitten, stricken. So we just got to get the inside man to working on the outside. We are problem solvers. Point to yourself with me and say, I am the problem solver. There's nothing that's ever come on the earth that the mind of Christ inside of you and I doesn't have the answer. 
If it's not working on you, like coming out, it's because there's a fog somewhere that's got to go that says, well, I don't know what we're going to do. And Uncle Jack did this, and he never got out of it. And na 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 You are a problem solver, and everything in this world is afraid of the power of God, the wisdom of God, the ability of God in you, because it'll get untangled once you give your focus to it. And then I want to remind you, thirdly, that we carry life. We are life carriers. We are, we are full of the life of God, the Zoe life of God. Jesus said, I have come that you might have Zoe, the life of God, life as God has it. I have come that you might have it. And let me tell you, he came and he made the transaction. Born again, we are full of life. So everywhere we go, every word we speak, our words are spirit and they are life. And when we confront death, it listens to us. And darkness is afraid of us. We are amazing. And so my whole job and your whole job, our whole job together is to be who he made us. You don't have another job. Your job is not to beat the devil. Jesus already whipped him solidly. Your job is simply, simply, let's get it down in its rawest terms, is just to be who he made you. Not trying to be something he didn't make you. Not trying to put on something. Not trying to put off something. We're putting on who he made us. And the only way you'll know that is to get into this. Because feelings will lie. Feelings will not, they'll not befriend you. Your emotions, your people around you will never tell you the truth. But the word of God will tell you, this is who you are. This is what you can do. And this is what you can have. And our whole job, as Christians, as born-again uh, men and women, is to discover who we are. Period. That's it. So I'm the fearless one. I'm not afraid of anything. I said I'm not afraid of anything. Demons can come into the room, and I'll dismiss them. Put on that. Put that on. The most terrible prognosis can come. The doctor can sit you down and say, you need to be sitting down when I tell you this. And we have no quiver inside because he cannot tell us something that's more true than who I already am. He's, he's just reporting stuff that's trying, the attack. He's telling of the impending attack. And so here's, here's the whole kingdom. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a summation type of guy. I want to boil it down. I don't, I'm not so much on the details, but like... What's the big picture? I'm always on the big picture. And to, uh, to us, we're, we're examining this to find out what is the character and nature of God. Because if I find out how he is, then I can set my expectation on that. If I ever find out that he lied in here, then, you know, I've got to have an expectation that he could be, he could do it again. But when I study this and find out that he's never lied, he's never been dishonest, he's never went around something and couldn't deal straight, when I find out he's truth and he always deals in truth, then why wouldn't I say that my future is dealing with a God of truth? That if he says it, I can go to the bank on it. Because he's never, never not come through. If I find out his nature is to always be good. Not just to me, but to everyone. He's always good. If I find out that's his nature, then I can set my expectation. 
my future saying, you know, I don't know exactly what these people are going to do, but I know God is good. And good is not the absence of bad. Good is just like, well, now God wouldn't do something bad. Good is proactive. Good is initiated. Good is a proclamation that I'm looking for something to replace that's not good with my goodness. So God has got a plan for you, Melissa, got a plan for you, Garland, got a plan for you, Pamela, and he's looking to replace everything and change everything that's not perfectly heavenly, perfectly good, and say we can do better and we're going to put good in this place. Not just like, well, something's bad, could, could we get an exchange? Well, maybe. Look in Romans chapter 8 with me, look in verse 28. It says, and we know, we know, we ought to be able to say, family, we know. I know, I know, I, it's not like we're, we've been told or we heard or they think or that they, we know that all things, now we ought to be a people, River Church, we ought to be a people that say, we know, we read it in the word, we believed it, and it has been our total and absolute experience, we know that all things work together for good to them, for people that love God. Anybody loving God in here? Well, the Bible says that you ought to know that all things work together for good. To them that love God, and then to them who are the called, or the appointed ones, according to his purpose, his plan, his intention. Listen to what the Passion Translation says. Now, this will change your oil while you're driving. Praise God. We are convinced that every detail of our lives... Let's just marinate on that a second. We are convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven together to fit into God's perfect plan of bringing good into our lives. God's perfect plan of bringing good into our lives. Now, I'm, I, my job is to influence you this morning that every day you have an expectation this is the best day of my life. <laughs> I'm fixing to open my baby blues up to the best day I've ever had. Things that have never happened before, they're going to be happening to me today. Good is in my path. We are convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven together to fit into God's perfect plan. So he's got a plan a strategy, a blueprint of bringing good into our lives for we are his lovers who, are, who have been called to fulfill his designed purpose. God had a whole classroom and he said, I, I need to call on somebody. And he looked at the back and, and, and Jacob was at the back. Jacob's at the back of the class. He said, Jacob, I need you to fulfill my perfect plan. Jacob said, I'm ready. Debbie said, I'm ready. It's so awesome to be a Christian. It's so awesome to be born again. It's so awesome to be filled with the fullness of God. To have his purpose printed on you, indelibly purposed. A course set out before you that he, Father just pulls it back, the curtain, and says, look at this. I already got it all mapped out. 
All we got to do is wind you up and put you on the course, and the track is already prepared, and it's good all the way. It's good to be a Christian. It is awesome. I'm depending on God getting heaven right. I've read enough of this and waited before the Lord to say, God, I'm expecting heaven to be right. And so I'm expecting if heaven's right, that earth is right. There's just a devil down here. There's just unrenewed mind Christians down here. There's just sinners down here. There's a curse down here. That might keep things from being right out there. In the world, you'll have tribulation, the Lord observed. But I'm counting on you, Lord, making me a way through this that's good. It's yucky out there. It's cruddy out there. It's nasty out there. But just because I'm in the world, Lord, you promised me that I was not of this thing. And that everything you said right here is turning out amazing. Turning is the key word. Turning. It's not, it's not amazing where I'm looking, but the walk through it and the end of it is amazing. Amazing. Amazing means that it's extraordinary, that it stands out, that it's not usual or normal, that, that people look at the expectation of what should be or, or, or could have been, and they look and say, wow, that is above and beyond what we've had or what we expected you to have. It's amazing. And that's the life the Lord stamped on you and said, I, I, I'm stamping this one with amazing. And I, I've set a course for this one that says you are, it's going to be an amazing life. And the thing is, is he told every one of us that. Like, shh, I got a special place for you and it's going to be amazing. And he's telling every, every one of us that. We think we're the only ones and it's all of us. And so we should believe as, as children of God, children, I, I'm a child of God, that we should believe that our father is not an idiot and not even passive, but that he can solve every problem on earth for me. We ought to give him that. I said, we ought to, I'm a pretty good problem solver. I really am. I, I can put things together, and I don't get it right every time, but I, I, I get a lot of stuff right. I put myself into it, and I can solve problems. How much more can my father my natural father taught me a lot of things. Son, we can get this. We, we can get this. So I learned. I listened. And how much more Heavenly Father say, I got this. But I need you to walk through it, and I'll guide you through. And when the trouble comes, and I know when it's coming, and I know what it looks like, I'm going to give you this and put it in your toolbox. And when I tell you, pull it out and just whack the devil or resist the devil or, or just take care of it. I'm right beside you all the way. We got this. We, we as Christians ought to get, get up every day and say, that's my attitude. He's got this. But instead, Christians get up afraid. What are we going to do? Like, like they're all alone, like they're orphans, or like they're some castaway, or sort of like they're some bastard child that doesn't have any helpers, that doesn't have any parents, or doesn't, doesn't, nothing going on. God is more than good. He's not, he's more than good. He's, he is amazing. And, and uh, 
I, this, uh, this scripture, my, my favorite scripture is in Hebrews 10.23. It's in the Phillips. It says, he is utterly dependable. I hope you wrote that down in your Bible somewhere. Hebrews 10.23 in, in the Phillips says, he is utterly dependable. Now, that, you just can't have a bad day. You just cannot make something negative if you have to make everything line up with my God is utterly dependable. Because the only way his word's not going to be the most awesome thing in your life is if he doesn't do it, or if he does it shoddily, or if he does it late, or if he does it halfway. But he, the Bible says of himself, God said, I am utterly dependable. Utterly. Absolutely, to the end degree. Are y'all excited about the Lord today? Amen, I am. Uh, listen to this. Because God is, if he's known for anything in the Bible, I know that religion, and I know that uh, religion doesn't tell the truth, and they make this not what it is. But if anything, the Bible is known for God making people look good. He, he never is smacking them around or lying about people. He's, he puts on the best he can. Listen to this in Genesis 18, talking about Abraham. And God's saying, you know, I'm going to smoke this Sodom city. This Sodom city's got to go. I am through. You just don't know how many times I've passed on burning them up. And finally, it says in verse 32, Abraham said, Lord, please don't be angry with me if I speak one more time. But suppose there are ten found there. <laughs> I mean, he's making a deal with God. And God has found a hundred thousand people that are the most vile. He, well, he, he sent Noah to build a boat so he could get rid of those kind of people. And they're back. And he's already dealt with them once. And he says, they're, they're back. And I am justified. I am righteous for getting rid of these people. I am going to burn this city to the ground. And Abraham says, what if ten? If you'll let a hundred thousand people, evil and bad people, live, if I can just find ten. And God says, okay. I don't know what he would have gone to, but Abraham kind of, worded that what did he say he said he said let me speak one more time so you know he had to he had to be done but God said I'll do it for 10 or or Abraham might have gone to five he might have just said well how about me and how about me and Sarah would that be enough God's good now let's listen to this faith is actually another word for expectation would you all agree faith looks to the future things hope for the evidence of things not seen. So, if faith is expectation, then what you believe, or, or I should say, when you believe God will, listen, when you believe God will, at that point, God can. Let me rephrase it. If faith is expectation, the moment you believe God will, will heal you, will bless you, will deliver you, will make everything turn out amazing. At that point, God can. You say, well, no, God can do anything he wants to except your will. 
if he could do everything that he wanted to, he'd get everybody born again. He'd get everybody to say, Jesus is Lord. But he can't go past that. If somebody says, I don't believe that, he can't go past that. Is that right? And so the moment you and I believe that he will, he can. And we all know that if he can, he will do it. He will do it good if he can. So I'm working on me to believe that he will. Aren't you? That's what I'm believing. That's what I read this to say, you know, I believe he will. I believe he'll do it for me. I believe the, that father will take care of his children in such a way he's not mad at us. Certainly we've messed up. But look, if, if he would let ten in Sodom let, give a pass to the whole city, he's certainly going to give me a pass that are born again. These people were vile and not born again. He, he's good. In Luke, Jesus, the Lord Jesus said that he is kind to the evil and the unthankful. That's an amazing scripture. That's an amazing proclamation. God is kind to the unthankful and the evil. And so when you and I believe that he can, at that point, God will. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 31, if you would. You know, I'm here to brainwash you. I'm here to change your mind. I'm here to, because to, you're... Your mind and my mind, we've been, we've been, we've been, we've been immersed in, in God won't, God can't, God is indifferent, and we've got to wash all that junk out because it's not who we are. Genesis 31, look at this, verse 1. And he heard the words of Laban's sons saying, Jacob hath taken away all that was our father's, and all that was our father's hath he gotten all this glory. Now, Jacob was Laban's son-in-law. Remember that. Jacob had uh, taken his two daughters and, uh, and worked for them. He worked for, uh, who was his first? Leah. Yeah, he worked for Leah. He, seven years, he plowed the field and, and carried the, and cleaned out the stalls for seven years for her and then he wanted Rachel and back then you could you could there was a twofer going on back then so you could get two wives I don't recommend it but uh, back then that's what they thought was good and so he worked for them and uh, he's been he, and and then he heard uncle, uh, his cousin saying uh, Jacob's taken away all that it was our father's and all that was our father's hath he gotten all this glory the word glory there is is the word wealth it's the first mention of glory, meaning wealth, in the Bible. And it says, And Jacob beheld the countenance of Laban, and behold, it was not toward him as before. And the Lord said unto Jacob, Return into the land of thy fathers and to thy kindred, and I will be with thee. There's nothing like getting a word from the Lord when things aren't going good. Amen? And Jacob sent and called Rachel and Leah to the field to his flock and said unto them, I see that your father's countenance that he's not toward me as before, but the God of my father hath been with me. And ye know that with all my power I have served your father. And your father hath deceived me and changed my wages ten times, but God suffered him not to hurt me. If I said thus, the speckled shall be thy wages, then all the cattle bearer speckled. And if he said, Thus the ring streaks shall be thy hire, 
then bear all the cattle ring streaked. Then God hath taken away, thus God has taken away the cattle of your father and hath given them to me. And it shall come to pass at the time that the cattle conceived that I lifted up mine eyes. And uh, he goes on and explains how God just, no matter which way the world turned it, all ten times, it always turned that way. Laban would say, well, we got to squeeze this boy out. He's just, he's just everything we do. It comes his way, so we'll change it. Right now, he's getting all the brown and speckled flock, so we'll change it to the ring streaked, and that'll fix him. And all of a sudden, all the lambs came out ring streaked. Listen to this in the, uh, the New Living. It says, verse 7, he has cheated me. Does anybody ever ha could say that about somebody in their life? They cheated me. And what's, what's our response, generally speaking, by the flesh? He cheated me, therefore I will be cheated. Unless I do something, unless I let the air out of his tires or, you know, go file a complaint. In other words, everything's not going to turn out amazing because he cheated me. Isn't that, what, isn't that what our response is? Somebody, ah, oh, they cheated me. So therefore, and then we give the therefore of what the cheating's going to cost us. The New Living says, he cheated me, changing my wages ten times. But God has not allowed him to do me any harm. <coughs> Excuse me. The Living says, he has been completely unscrupulous. Do you all know that man? Do y'all ever work for somebody and it's like, whoa, your bonus is more than my bonus. We got to change that. That's not going to go on. And has broken his wage contract with me again and again and again. But God has not permitted him to do me any harm. The Young's literal says this. <laughs> your father has played upon me. And hath changed my hire ten times, and God hath not suffered him to do evil with me. Now let me just tell you something. As you can see right here, the, the, the righteousness of God's man outplays or outnumbers or overrides the world's plan. Psalm 1, what does it say in Psalm 1? It says, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. So all the counsel of the ungodly that's out there that is against you, they get overridden by God's plan for amazing. The, uh, the way of the sinner standeth not in the way of the sinner, or sitteth not in the way of sinners, or something. And everyone sitting in the seat of the scornful, all of those people comprise the world that's out there that's set to do you in, to deceive you, change your wages, put you behind. And the Bible says that Jacob said, but God did not allow or suffer him to hurt me. Now listen to this. In the Old Testament, when you submitted to God, this is how you did it back then. You submitted and you obeyed God. You just said, I'm going to do it God's way. That's what Noah did. That's how Abraham got a leg up. He just said, I'll do it your way. I'll submit to you, God. And God said, that's how we're going to do it. I will set you on high. I will give you two things. I will give you protection, and I will give you prosperity or provision. If you just said, God, you're my God, 
God sets you up. And we see that with Solomon and David. Well, everybody. Everybody in the Old Covenant, how you got in with God was that you said, He's my God, and I'm going to submit to Him. I'm going to obey Him. You know that's still working today? It's not the only way, but it's, it's still working today. It doesn't mean that works are the whole thing, because you can get into works that way. But if your heart's not right, in other words, if you're doing things on the outside and your heart's not submitted to God, it's not going to go very far. Turn with me to Psalm 91. Wasn't that a good story? God has changed my, Laban has changed my wages ten times. Ten times he came and said, we're going to do this different. I'm going to pay you this way. You know, only, you can only have the three-legged lambs. What? Every lamb's three-legged now. What? What? And as soon as they get over in my flock, they grow another leg and they're fine. Or whatever. It's just like nothing, nothing would work against what God had. Everything turned out amazing. You get the point there? In Psalm 91, look, look, let's just read that real quick. I know you all know Psalm 91, like, by heart, but... He that dwelleth in the secret place. We're talking about the obedient and the submitted. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow, the protection of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge. He's my expectation. This is what I expect God to do. Suddenly He can do it. He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, and Him will I trust. Surely He shall deliver thee. Now, see, here's that protection. He shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noise and pestilence. He shall cover thee with his feathers, protection, and under his wings shall thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. You go on and on. And down in 14, he said, because, God says, because he has set his love upon me, submitted, therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. Now, you, you know, we, we're not going to study that whole psalm, but it's just, it's how it works. If you get in the secret place with God and said, you're my God, and I'm going to do what you say. I'm going to do what you say. I'm going to serve you only, and I'm going to do what you say, and I'm going to want to. God said, man, I got a plan for you. Everything will turn out amazing. Turn with me, if you would, to Genesis chapter 50. We're doing Old Testament this morning, but Genesis chapter 50. Oh, my. Oh, my. It's better than we knew. Y'all, it's better than we've known. And you go, well, I got some pretty powerful testimonies. Well, you should. Born again, child of God, you should have some amazing stuff. Let me tell you what my God, my Father has done. And we just go on and on and say, you know, i got to go. 24 hours of this, i got to leave. Uh, we just goes on and on. But still, we hadn't tapped him out. In chapter 50, we're talking about Joseph. And in verse 20, in the Amplified, well, here's, here's the background because you know it. Uh, uh, Joseph Joseph been sold out by his brothers. They're jealous of him. They're envious of him because he's God's man. And he said, I'm going to do it God's way. And so, uh, but it all turns out that Joseph, who they sold out to, he's, 
He's imprisoned, and he's Potiphar's slave, and then he's in the dungeon for 15 to 20 years. One day, Pharaoh calls him up and said, you're my number two man. I'm going to make you the prime minister of everything. Nobody's, nobody has a say except me over you. Then there's a famine in the land, and all of uh, his father's brothers come down to buy grain, and then they find out, oh, no, the very man we need help from is our brother that we sold out. And he's going to kill us all. And in verse 20, here's, the, here's Jake, uh, Joseph's response. But as for you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass, as it is this day, to save much people alive. Now, what does it mean there? Ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good. What is the it there? Well, I'm just going to read it to you, but it's in chapter 37 when this story started 13 chapters ago when Joseph had a dream. Y'all remember he had a dream? And nobody liked his dream. And his dream was this. Verse 5 says, One night Joseph had a dream, and when he told his brothers about it, they hated him more than ever. Verse 7 he told them the dream. We were out in the field tying up bundles of grain. Suddenly my bundle stood up and your bundles all gathered around and bowed low unto mine. And verse 9 says, uh, he told them about his second dream. Listen, I have another dream. I've had another dream. The moon, sun, and 11 stars, mom, dad, and 11 brothers all bowed low before me. So back to chapter 50 God meant it, the dream, unto good. You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Other translations tell it a little different. Um, the uh, English version uh, says, You plotted evil against me, but God turned it into good. Can you say everything is turning out amazing? So everybody's plotting and planning. They got plan You can't stop them. These people, your kinfolks, even your kinfolks, <clears throat> gonna, they're going to steal the inheritance from you. They're going they're gonna, to they're gonna get the, they're going to, they're going to go and whisper into mama's ear saying, ah, yeah, you, this other one, you know, and make a deal behind the back. You think it's never happened? All the time. At work, you think that's not a killing field? For the naive and the, the righteous, oh, they gang up all the time and say, put us in front. It's, it happened in Daniel's day. It's happening in this day. And so we could go saying, oh, I don't know if I'm going to have my job. Fear not, little flock, for it's the Father's good pleasure to give us the kingdom. You don't have to. We've got to submit ourselves to God and obey him. We go and we just be honest. And their lies fall. And the very thing, in Daniel's day, the very ones that accused him are the ones that got thrown into the pit, the lion's den. And so uh, uh, the TEV says, You plotted evil against me, but God turned it into good in order to preserve the lives of many people today. In the youngs, it says, As for you, he told his brothers, ye devised against me evil. Happens every day. The righteous are the target. God devised it for good 
in order to do as it is at this day to keep alive a, num a numeral people. We don't have to be anxious or worried because everything is turning out amazing. But now listen, remember, Job said this in, in uh, <coughs> excuse me, Job 3, 25, he said, he said, the thing I feared most came upon me. Remember that? Which, that's a Bible principle that says what you expect is on its way. Let me say it again. Whatever you're expecting has been formed and is moving at a great rate of speed to intersect your life. Whatever you're expecting. You're expecting to be the president of the company or you're expecting to get kicked out. Both can be arranged. Well, who arranges it? Your mouth. Your heart and your mouth. Form these things, create the scenario, set it up, begin to play it out, and it begins to work itself and begin to sort itself until it finally gets down to a fine line, a laser line that comes in and intersects your life, and that's exactly how it plays out. And you go, what, what? Why is this happening to me? I serve God. But you don't believe God can keep you, can preserve you. You believe you got to go to war. You believe you got to go, you know, tell a lie on him and go, you know, shiny up to the boss yourself or whatever. It's natural, it's carnal, and it never works. We, we can't do it. You can't cover every base. The devil's always got an air hole down at the end of the line that you didn't cover. And in he comes. You know, we say a one-inch screen door in a submarine sends the whole thing to the bottom. And you can't keep it. But Psalm 91 says God can keep us. God will keep you. So Jesus said in Matthew 6, he said, Take no anxious thoughts saying, because you can't add a cubit to your head or, or anything. I got one little thing I want to share with you. And then we'll, we'll, this is in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. I want to I just give you a little seed that I've been meditating for a long time. And it goes, it fits right here. I was already working on this and then I remembered this. And I want I, you just to think about this. It's... Uh, you, you may not get the conclusion I get, but it'll still bless you. It says in chapter 8 of 2 Corinthians, look in verse 12. Here the, Paul, the, the Apostle Paul is talking about money, provision, supply, and how you don't have to worry about it. That you, you just sow your seed with an expectation that, there's a, that he gives seed again to the sower and bread again to the eater. And he says in verse 12, he says, if there first be a willing mind. You got a willing mind this morning? Of course. It is accepted according to that a man hath, and not according to that he hath not. For I mean not that other men be eased, and ye be burdened. So you got to go back and find the context of that, what he's talking about. But that's not where we're going. Verse 14. Here's the principle. But by an equality that now at this time your abundance may be a supply for their want. In other words, he's in context here and he's talking about people that gave to him. You, that your abundance may be a supply for their want and their abundance also may be a supply for your want 
Look right here what it says. Read it with me. That there may be equality. Now, verse 15. As it is written. So that always takes it back to the Old Testament, doesn't it? That always takes it back to this isn't just a New Testament thing. This is the way the kingdom operates. As it is written, he that had gathered much had nothing over. And he that had gathered little had no lack. Well, to, uh, to get the context of that, you've got to go to Exodus chapter 16. That's it. And what he was talking about there when they were out in the wilderness, the children of Israel, the manna was going to be their total supply. And Moses told them, he said, there's plenty for everybody. No need for competition or comparison. Matter of fact, there's such a supply that if you'll just go out and if you just gather a little, it'll be enough. He said, but if you go out there and greedy gut it and just gather a whole bunch up, oh, you know, there might not be enough, so I'm going to gather a bunch. He said, you'll have none left over. He said, as a matter of fact, on Saturday, would, our Saturday, whatever day it would be back then, he said, you go out and gather twice as much. He said, now on Tuesday, if you get twice as much, because you don't want to go out and get the meet the breakfast crowd on, on Wednesday, and you gather twice as much, he said, it'll breed worms and it'll stink. You'll have no more left over than what you need. Did you get that? What you need. You go, every day you get what you need. And uh, he said, but on Saturday, for Sunday, or Friday to Saturday, whatever the Sabbath was, he said, uh, gather twice as much. And on that day, it will not stink or rot. And you'll go outside on Sunday and there'll be no manna anywhere. He said, because I want you to take the day off. So the principle here that I believe that's, that's happening is that God's going to use somebody to supply you. You never have to take a thought. God, now what about these times? You know, uh, this is my job. You never have to worry. Never have to worry. He's going to send someone to supply you. And in your times of fluence, oh, look here, Martha, we got lots we can hold and stack and build up, and we, we can sit back and take our ease. Now, when you get a bunch, you're supposed to give it to somebody else. He leads that, or he, he supplies, because we're all in the body, remember? We're all together. It's not you and me against each other. We're all together. I, I, we're not going to teach this this morning, but I'm just saying the Lord works it out so that you always have enough. There's a system behind the system where things are working beyond what you have understanding. So here's what the Bible says in 1 Peter, and we'll quit with this. It says, God resisteth the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. That's what they did in the Old Testament. No competition, no comparison. That he may exalt you in due time. If you go low, like Jacob did, he just said, you know, this man's just done everything to me, but I'm just going to do the right thing by him for 20 years. God said, I'm going to lift you up. And Joseph, he never tried to get back and kill his brothers. We've all had that thought. Well... We've known somebody that had that thought. Let's just say that. We all knew somebody that had revenge. We never had that thought, but we heard about it. 
And God said, because you didn't, you just trusted me, I'll make you prime minister and I'll make you the hot shot of all of it, even though you didn't even go after it. And I'm telling you, it's better than we thought and it's way easier than, I, than we thought. If you and I will trust God and get into a mode that says, you know, we got plenty, we don't have a lot left over, we don't have a lot extra, but God is our manna. It'll come every day. It'll come every day. So we're, everything's going to turn out amazing. Well, what about, you know, you need to stack up a bunch for retirement, and you need to make sure, you know, that's just not in the Bible. Trusting God is in the Bible. And everything's turning out amazing is in the Bible. And uh, God gets the glories in the Bible. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Well, we're going to cast all our care because it's, it says, uh, cast all your care upon him for he careth for you. We're going to stand up this morning and we're going to do a little care casting. Amen. And because cause things may not be amazing, but I've been telling you this morning, things are turning. And when things are turning in God, they're always turning for you. If you're in faith, change is always increase. If you're in faith, anytime there's a change, oh no, they're laying off people at the plant. Huh, just means I'm going to be supervisor. <laughs> or I'm going to a better job or whatever. Father, we just cast. Well, first of all, Lord, we humble ourselves before you. That means, Lord, according to your word in Peter, that we just submit our care to you. We just do, Lord. We just say, I'm not going to take no anxious thought. I'm going to submit myself to you. I'm not going to worry anymore about anything because you said everything would turn out amazing. So I'm going to get in faith. Are you all helping me this morning? And right there in your, in, under your breath. I, we're all getting in faith about the future. And we repent, Lord, for having anxious thoughts and talking the problem, talking the possibilities. And now, Lord, we talk the certainty that everything is turning out amazing for those that believe God. So we just turn it, Lord, and now I cast my care upon you. In Jesus' name, I release my job, my income, uh, any trouble, any bad kinfolks, any bad people at work. Lord, my I cast my care, whatever it is, I cast it on you, and I thank you for receiving it. And I thank you for calling me free. I call myself free. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Isn't Jesus wonderful? Hallelujah. Well, we're going to change our expectation so that God can grant us liberty. Does anybody need prayer this morning? We're going to agree with you this morning for anything going on in your life. That needs help. Some things need agreement. Everybody good this morning? Well, then my job to you is to tell you your job is to go find somebody that needs your powerful prayer of agreement for their life. And tell them, let Jesus help you. I'm going to help you. Let him help you in Jesus' name. Amen. Y'all got anything else? You got anything, Deb? You're good. All right. Well, then I bless you this morning. In the name of Jesus, bless what God has blessed. 
And I call you blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I have spit all over this lectern. I have completely, I need, I need someone to come up here and slide across it because it is nasty.